Blog Talk Radio. people and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt and this morning fish expert Barry Heller will be dropping by to give step-by-step instructions for setting up and maintaining a healthy aquarium and what types of fish make great pets. We'll also be discussing a unique new pet novelty product with Cheryl Peterson from Furbits. Great conversations are just on the other side of our opening break, so keep your radio tuned right here for more of The Pet Place on AM 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I am very happy to introduce a man who knows virtually everything about fish. It's Barry Heller. Welcome to the Pet Place, Barry. Hi. Thank you very much, Marie. Now, we met at the Pet Expo Fish Exhibit, and you were helping kids who were participating in the aquarium decorating contest, and my youngest daughter happened to be one of those kids, and you gave her some great advice. And i got to tell you, she's having a blast with her new fish and her new aquarium. Well, that was the whole point of the kids' decorating contest at the Pet Expo is to try and introduce the hobby to younger people so that it will perpetuate throughout time and at least get them started on the right leg so they don't have to go through the disappointments that a lot of people have when they set up new aquariums. Well, you certainly did an outstanding job with all the kids there, and you were so enthusiastic. How did you get involved with Uh, fish? Oh, how did I get involved with fish? Well, I'm afraid I've sort of been a fish geek for a long time. (laughs) I basically was keeping fish back in, oh, actually high school Mm -hmm. for a long time, and then as I uh, went away and got out of it for a few years, it just kind of drifted off, but I started up about 15 to 20 years ago, and it's just kind of grown ever since. Wow. What kind of tanks do you have? Uh, too many. I <laughs> I have about uh, 45 at this point all no set up way. and running. Um, pretty much, I guess, the most of them are containing uh, live bearers, and the rest are containing miscellaneous cichlids. Okay. Which are different types of fish. Live bearers, by the definition, they have their young alive they don't lay eggs they're internally fertilized and then they produce live offspring and the interesting thing i learned about that now that we have guppies (laughs) is that the mamas eat their babies (laughs) um they will it's just food to almost everybody Uh um uh if they are well fed and they have enough hiding places, a lot of the fry will survive without any attendance. Okay. Or if you want to, you either put the female into like a breeding trap where the fry can then go through but she can't, or you remove her as soon as she drops the fry and keep them in a separate aquarium until they've reached a little size. And that was something I learned, too. A fry is not something you get at a fish and chips restaurant. It's actually the little baby fish. Right. And (laughs) see, the cichlid group of fishes are much larger, but the most interesting thing about that is 
that they actually have parental care of the offspring after mm. they've hatched. They do lay eggs. They protect the eggs from other predators. And then when the fry hatch and are free swimming, you can see the parents guarding them even in a community tank and keeping the other fish away from actually having their little fresh, delicious little food at that time. Definitely. Now, I remember watching the movie Finding Nemo with my youngest daughter, and and the father in that movie took excellent care of his little son Nemo. Is that a true story then? Um, <laughs> clownfish are saltwater, and yes, both parents will protect the eggs, and in clownfish, since they are usually attached to an anemone, mm-hmm. they have their home anemone, that they are protected and there are family groups. If you see any anemone really in the wild with clownfish in it, they will be from the smallest up to the adult size. So they have the family. They won't keep all of the eggs if they all hatch. That would be too many in one place, but mm-hmm. they do take care of a small group. Wow, that's very interesting. But since they're saltwater, I've always heard that saltwater tanks are a lot more difficult to take care of than freshwater tanks. Is that true? Well, saltwater can be more demanding. There are more parameters that you have to take care of. And generally speaking, you can maintain a very small freshwater aquarium where because of evaporation and things with a saltwater aquarium, the smaller the tank, the more maintenance and time-consuming it really takes. The larger the body of water that you have, the more stable it is for a longer time. The slower the concentration of toxins that the fish produce, just as bodily waste, is much smaller in a larger volume of water than it is in a smaller one. So just by its nature, um, smaller tanks are much harder to keep than larger tanks. And in salt water, it becomes even more you know, demanding just because it's not as forgiving. And isn't it hard to establish a saltwater tank? I've heard that when you start a saltwater tank, you should purchase some very inexpensive fish because you're likely to see a lot of mortality in the beginning. Um, Saltwater and freshwater are parallel in that, in that the tank must mature. And even a freshwater tank takes almost two months to totally mature to go through the biological cycle so that you have created all of the bacteria that you need to break down all of the waste products that the fish produce Mm -hmm. and it goes through a cycle so that is really one of the major things that most people are not aware of and they want to rush the whole situation and put lots of fish in right away because it looks cool Mm -hmm. and the trouble is that most of the fish are not able to handle the increased ammonia loads and so that they die and then people put more fish in and they die and then they get discouraged and then the tank goes out in the garage. Yeah. So, I mean, salt water is the same also. You really need to establish the biological bed. That's why to really do it right, you need live sand, live rock. You need the time to culture it and then you slowly build. But most people want instant gratification and they're not willing to wait for these kind of time frames. I see. It sounds like a huge undertaking, and I'm thinking of you telling me that you have 45 tanks. 
do you manage taking care of all of those? Uh, it takes a little while. You just kind of work it, work it through. You start on some, and then you go back. It's kind of like painting a bridge. Now, is this just a hobby for you, or is this also your profession? Uh, no, it's just a hobby. <laughs> just something to keep me occupied. Well, I think it probably keeps you occupied for all of your free time. <laughs> no, it really isn't. And, I mean, the the... Rewards are just as great because there is nothing more relaxing than sitting in front of a nicely decorated live plant aquarium and just watching the fish and dozing off. I really agree with that. I love sitting and watching the fish in my daughter's new aquarium, and I've read studies before that watching fish in aquariums is actually healthy. Uh, it calms you, reduces your heart rate, all that good stuff. Oh, it does. I mean, you can just sit there, and it's very tranquil. The sound of the water, just the colors in the aquarium, and watching the movement. So it's uh, much better than watching television, and so that's why I say the uh, you put in the work, you get the rewards. That is very cool. If somebody wanted to start just a real basic first-level aquarium, what would you recommend as far as size of aquarium, type of fish to get, that sort of thing? Well, pretty much you really don't want an aquarium too much smaller than 10 gallons just because the water quality will change too rapidly. Mm -hmm. So you can start with a 10-gallon tank or 20 if you know you can afford it and you have the space. As, as I said before, bigger is always better. Um, the water quality maintains itself and for a much longer time. Mm -hmm. And the idea is you really need to find a good, knowledgeable fish store where they don't just try and sell you whatever you think is pretty. And you need to do some research. You need to actually research the type of fish that you're thinking about buying after you set up the tank and make sure, one, the final size that they're going to obtain so that they are appropriate for the size of aquarium that you have whether they are compatible with any other fish that you wish to keep, because some fish are totally belligerent, both with themselves and with other fish. Like betas, for example. Well, betas, uh, you can keep a male beta in most aquariums. They only like to nip and pick at anything with long, flowing fins, but you try and put two in one tank, and they're going to fight. Okay. And, and then one of them is not going to really survive. Oh, but yeah. you can have almost an unlimited number of female bettas together, and nothing happens, but they don't have the long, flowing fins of the males. Okay. So the main thing about setting up an aquarium is that you have to realize that you need patience before you start. That makes sense. Okay. And and get your research done, too. And, and what about food? I know that people will just get whatever food they can find available at the grocery store often. And is is that a good idea to just buy the uh, grocery store fish flakes that are available? Pretty much almost all of the manufacturers of fish food, I mean, they, they all tout that theirs is a little bit better, but pretty much all of them will sustain the fish for most of the time. They're a pretty good blend. Oh, okay. Uh, um, Obviously, fish get bored just like people get bored, and it's nice to give them a little something different, like having one or two or three different types of even dry food. They can live on the dry food almost indefinitely, most of them. It's nice to give them a little bit of frozen, either brine shrimp or bloodworms, 
every once in a while just as a treat and something a little bit more high in protein just to kind of stimulate their appetite. Okay. But um, the main thing is that when you set up the tank, it actually takes time to cycle. Now, you can expedite that by borrowing some substrate from an existing aquarium, borrowing a seeded sponge filter that's been in somebody's aquarium for a period of time. Oh, that makes sense. There are products that are actually bacteria that you add to the tank to, you know, help them so that instead of starting off with just the few that you have in normal water, you increase the amount exponentially so that it doesn't take quite as long to cycle. But then the other things that you really have to remember on an aquarium are water changes, which has to really become a religion. You can't do too many. And you don't change all of the water at once. You just take out a certain amount. Right. 20 to 30% every two weeks as a minimum. If you do it every week, it's even better. But you really don't want to go much more than every two weeks without changing some of the water. Do you have to put special water in, or can you use tap water? How does that all work? Well, tap water will work just fine, but you usually have to treat it with a product that will take out both chlorine and chloramines, which most of the municipalities add to keep the water safe to drink, keep the bacteria levels down. Do you treat it before you add it in, or...? Do you go ahead and add it in as you add the, the water in? You can, depending on the volume of water and how, what physical method you're actually putting it in, either method works. It, the chemicals are almost instantaneous so that you could add the water and then put the chemicals in as long as you're doing it in this rapid succession, okay. you know, not waiting two days before you add the chemicals. Okay. Or if it's, you know, just a gallon that you've got in a, a little bucket or whatever, you can put the chemicals in there and then put the water into the aquarium. And what about temperature? Do you have to make sure the temperature matches? I know some fish are a little sensitive to temperature changes. Um, you want to make sure that the water that you add is as close as possible to the temperature of the existing aquarium water. And if you air, you usually want to air a little bit on the warmer side. But, I mean, you can do it just with your hand. You're, most people, I mean, you're sensitive enough, you can tell the temperature with your hand that it's going to be close enough. Because you have to remember, in the wild, most of the fish, if there's a tropical storm, the temperature may be 20 or 30 degrees, and there may now be two inches of cold water on top of the warm water that they're used to, and they swim in and out of it. Oh, okay. Okay, so they, they adapt as long as you don't do any major shock. <laughs> they should be fine. They should be fine. And again, if you err on the side of warmer, it's always better. Fish do. There are some diseases that they're susceptible to if they do become chilled. Is there a website that you could recommend really fast before I let you go that has some of the basic information? Um, not really. The, the best website for anybody in the Los Angeles area, I would say, is Coast Aquarium Society. It's the fish club that I belong to and helped uh, sponsor our little booth down at the Pet Expo. We meet the first Sunday of every month in Costa Mesa. Okay. And we're always looking for new people. Everybody's welcome. You don't have to be a member to visit. You don't have to be a member to participate in our auction. Wonderful. Uh, so we're there from uh, 1 to 5 the first Sunday of every month. 
Excellent, Jim. I'm, I'm, I hate to uh, cut you off here, but we're out of time, and I want to thank you for talking about fish with us today. You're quite welcome. We need to take a quick break, but when we return, novelty pet product inventor Cheryl Peterson will be stopping by to talk about a new product she's really excited about, so don't go away, and we'll be right back on Retro 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show with Cheryl Peterson from Furbits. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thanks, Marie. Glad to be here. Furbits. That is a very uh, thought-provoking name. <laughs> it's supposed to be, so I'm glad you said that. What exactly are Furbits? Well, the tagline for Furbits are that they're bits of personality for your furry friend, and that's kind of what they are. They're what we call leash flare and expressions about your dog or your personality or your owner that you clip along your dog's leash. Oh, okay. And and so they're like little badges. They are. They're non-toxic um, badges, very soft and pliable, and super colorful characters. And then they have words on them also. They have both words and images, because as you know, people would rather see an image than to read the expression, but they're both there, and they're super cute. Okay. So if you want your dog to be very fashionable, you might want to add some accessories to the exactly. leash or to the collar. Do most people put them on the leash? Most people put them along the leash, and, and that is just for visibility because it's really a conversation starter and more of um, the expression about the owner and the dog rather than just the dog itself. Oh, okay. I kind of visualize these a little bit like uh, Girl Scout badges on your sash. You know what? It actually is very similar um, in style and look, just a little more pet-related, but it is a similar type look. Give me some examples of some of the images and some of the the sayings on these badges. Sure. Well, some of my favorites um, um, and some of our best sellers are the the number one one we have here is called Best Friend, and it's just a super cute uh, image of the Furbit's dog, and he's got some hearts around them and looking really happy. So that's been a really popular one. Um, surprisingly, we've had a really big draw to one called Groovy Dog, and he's super cute with a little peace sign and rainbow shirt on and sporting um, quite a look that reflects um, that connection with the owner and that type of look and feel. And then we have ones like Personal Trainer, if you run with your dog, or even just walk, that clips along his leash, and that kind of sends out the message that he's always ready for that walk or run in the afternoon, yeah. too. And they're always more ready than we are. Absolutely. That's why they're the personal trainer. They're saying, come on, come on, let's go, let's That's go. That's right. You, you don't have to be fit to use that one. It's all about the dog on that one. So. Oh, um, and All-American is really popular now, too, as we head into the summer and parade season as well. And I think you've uh, released one called Rescued, which is we, real popular with everybody yeah. who has adopted a pet from a shelter or rescue. Yeah. That's a really nice one and really meaningful for a lot of reasons. So, um, yeah, that's been one that's been really um, in high demand. So who's in the brainstorming room coming up with all the different badges? Well, we started here in-house. We have a crew here that likes to come up with ideas, and we had a lot of fun with it. And now people are actually suggesting them on our website. We have a submit form that people can send us all kinds of ideas, and we've got some great ones in the works for the next release. Do you think it's possible that at some point in the future you might make them uh, customizable so people can add their own images and their own words? 
I think that's a great idea. Or perhaps yeah. even the name of the dog with a picture of the dog. I think that's a wonderful idea. So, yes, definitely something we're exploring. And then you can also kind of go down the, the path of Girl Scouts where you have little merit badges. Perhaps, oh, isn't that a great? That's adorable. Yeah. What a cute idea! Yeah, we did have one. Dog. Yeah, therapy dog, and you know we have one for best in show. Or let's say your dog just graduated puppy school. There should be one oh, for yeah. you know. that would be very cool. So. In fact, trainers who have classes could probably give mm-hmm. those out. I know when my daughter took a dog training class with with our dog, when she finished it, she got this little cheesy oh, plastic. Dog. Absolutely. You work hard for that. you got to show it off. So I, I think, I think it would have been cool to have a little badge for uh, For a bit, for, yeah. for that. So, yeah, there's, a, there's you know, it's kind of uh, endless. They're really fun and they're addictive. And, you know, it's just a great way to, you know, show off about you and your dog, things you're proud of, things you do together. And, you know, it's a great price point. They're affordable by everybody. So Now, I know that these are mostly on the East Coast at this point, but we're over here in Los Angeles. Can you mm-hmm. order them here on the West Coast? Absolutely. We're starting to ship all over the country. We have some up in Canada as well, but you can always order directly at furbits.net. Okay. And um, furbits, as you know, is spelled with a Z on the end. So, but the, all of them are on there, and we ship all over the country, and it's very inexpensive to have it shipped to you. Okay. Is yeah. your company just completely revolving around these badges, or, or do you have other products available? Well, actually, it's funny. You should ask. Um, our company is called Poochie Pets, and we started with a product called a Poochie Bell, and that's a designer dog doorbell that you train your dog to ring when he wants to go out. So Verbis uh-huh. is actually our newest product, and we just launched it. Um, last quarter, so we're really excited about it, and we have a great family of stores that are excited about carrying the product as well as our other products. What kind of comments are you getting from people when they see these things and when they buy them? What kind of reaction are they getting from people who see them? Um, they're just so cute. People love them. It's hard to pick one because there are a lot of connections. You know, there's ones that have sports on them to, you know, the ones we talked about, Tim Martini. So it's super hard to just pick one, and which I guess is a good problem. <laughs> so people love them; they're just cute. You could potentially end up with badges all the way from uh-huh. your dog up to your hand on your leash. You got it, and that's okay with us. That's great. <laughs> a lot to talk about, right? Okay. Yeah. You mentioned that these things are non-toxic. I know that sometimes mm-hmm. dogs get to uh, the little decorations and and little trinkets and outfits yep. and hats and whatever, and they decide these are good things to chew up. So, yes. So they're perfectly fine if they do chew them up. You don't they want are. them to chew them up. But no. They'd rather they don't, but yeah. they are very safe. So, yes. <laughs> yes. And you don't scent them with food scent or anything like that. No, I don't think that's a great idea. Although we are um, toying with the idea of having ones that maybe perhaps um, glow at night, so in the evening or dusk when you're walking your dog, or perhaps even a little flashing light so for safety. So lots of yeah, there's a lot of possibility with this product, and you know we're just like I said, rolling it out and getting some great feedback. So you started with the bell, and now you're Mm -hmm. doing fur bits. Do you have any other products? We have, well, we have leashes and collars, and yes, we're always working on new products. So this is just the latest one to hit the hit the road. Oh, it sounds really fun. I cut you off when you were in the middle of telling me a story, and and I apologize about that. Go ahead and tell me what you were going to tell me. Oh, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> catch that at all. I'm sorry. I didn't. 
didn't see that at all. So. That's okay. That's okay. I do that to my husband all the time. He'll start talking, and, and I'll think of something, and I interrupt, and then he forgets what he was going to tell me. I think we all do that. That's a normal <laughs> thing. So, <laughs> No, I'm good. I, don't, I didn't, okay. didn't feel that. Do you have any dogs yourself? Of course. I have three dogs. I have a pug, a miniature schnauzer, and a boxer. Yeah. And, of course, they all have different personalities and furbits along their leashes. Oh, ah, very good. And yeah. we can see pictures of the year little guys online, possibly? Um, if you go to poochiebells.com, there's okay. some pictures there on the furbits website. We just exclusively show our little character that's shared on all the badges right now. So, okay. uh, But I'm sure we'll get some great photos from our clients to put up there you shortly. Have a, so you have a client page for people? People can submit, and, and you can show off your dog yes. wearing his fur bit. Yes, yes. Sounds... they send them to us, and we'll post it on up there. We'd <laughs> love to do that. Cheryl, these sound like awfully fun novelty items. And before I let you go, let's remind everyone one more time where they can order one or two or three or more for their own pets. Excellent. They can get them right directly from us um, at www.furbitz.net. Or at poochiebells.com. Excellent. Thanks for being on the Pet Place today. Thanks for having us. That was great. We need to take one last break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place news and events here on AM 1260. on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Saturday, May 28th is Bark in the Park at Dodger Stadium. Fans that purchase a special event ticket in the All-You-Can-Eat Right Field Pavilion via the link at www.spcla.com slash special underscore events are invited to bring their dogs to the park and cheer on the Dodgers as they host the Florida Marlins at 7.10 p.m. Bark in the Park is presented by Dick Van Patten's Natural Balance Pet Foods, and the fun begins at 5 p.m. with a pregame pup rally in parking lot G between the left and right field pavilions. Each pup and their owners will check in at this location and receive a goodie bag. The rally will feature a Tillman skateboarding demo, as well as contests including dogs that look most like Tillman, dog that shows most Dodger spirit, biggest dog, smallest dog, and immediately following the pup rally, fans will parade around the warning track of the field with their dogs. The Los Angeles Dodgers will donate a portion of the dog tickets to SPCLA. Actually, let me say that again. It's SPCALA. That's hard to say. Okay, all human companions must bring a copy of their dog's current rabies vaccination document from a licensed veterinarian. All dogs must wear ID tags and must be accompanied by someone 18 years of age or older. Please make sure... Each person in your group fills out a waiver prior to arrival at the ballpark to ensure smooth check-in. Every person must submit a completed waiver at check-in. Dogs must be six months or older in order to attend and must have their own ticket. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day.